Hey everyone, my name is Sumble Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are Cambridge's two new city councilors, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Wow, it's been a while. We weren't here last week. Mm-mm. Or the week before. <laughs> Was it? Has it been that long? Mm-hmm. Oh dear. We have so we have so much to talk about, but I missed you because you were on a trip. I was away. Well, I was away for uh, work for city council, uh, so oh, I was working. Wait, what do you do for a living? <laughs> you know, right? So it's been really busy. I spent November sixth to November eleventh in L.A. attending the National League of Cities City Summit. Uh, the last city summit I attended was in two thousand three in Nashville as a Cambridge youth delegate when I was fifteen years old. Do they remember you? Well, I did re- see someone I knew from back then. Really? Yeah, uh, Leon Andrews. He's... Were you like, I actually am an elected leader in my city now? Yeah, I'd mess. I'd emailed him a while ago, and we connected in D.C. at that conference, oh, okay. and so we took a nice little picture together. So, City Summit is a conference for local leaders to convene and collaborate on solutions to the common challenges facing America's cities. Each year, the conference is hosted in a different U.S. city, offering fresh and new best pra- practices for government officials to improve the several to improve conditions back home. Uh, it was really great meeting leaders across the country. I hung out with a vice mayor of Sarasota, Florida. I hung out with a city councilor, or alderman, as they call them, in, 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 from Evanston, Illinois. Um, I attended several sessions on how other cities around the country are facing the affordable housing crisis. And I met a lot of young leaders involved in their communities. I'll be writing a second op-ed for December, and I'll write a little bit more about these policies and what we need to be doing in Cambridge. But overall, it was great. It was nice to see LA. I've never been. Did uh, you see any celebrities? Fortunately, I didn't. You didn't? You even see celebrities in New York City when we're there. I mean... I know. I was disappointed. I, I didn't even see the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I, I didn't have time. I was l- at the conference like all day long for multiple days. and So it was different than the one in D.C. where we just sat in rooms and listened to mantles, right? It yeah. was You got to go out into the community? <laughs> yeah, we, we got to go out. I used the bird scooter for the first <gasps> time. You did without me? Oh, you've never done it? No. Oh, my God, I did it. Oh, were Was we it really fun? It, it, it was scary. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I It was on this. You're not supposed to do it on the sidewalks. Oh, so uh-huh. you're yeah. You're on in the, the streets. Like, on the bike lanes. So you got to go through all down through L, down. Did down you go LA. with like a group or something? We went with other, like we were, it was a bunch of people in like suits. Why have I not seen pictures of this? <laughs> you don't want to. I will show you one picture. I'm dying. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I toured a cannabis facility. I toured. Oh, they, really? Recreational uh, cannabis is live and well there mm-hmm. and so, well they they just started permitting so west hollywood we went to west hollywood saw this entire facility is that who what was the mayor that we met um at the at the dc conference where she well, she wasn't west hollywood mm. sorry um where was she somewhere mm. in california maybe kind of groovy yeah yeah they're i mean they're very it, it's a different vibe it's a there. different vibe yeah and then another um mobile oh, they call them mobile workshops and we went to watts uh, oh, which yeah. historically, if people, for those who don't know about it, it, it's a U.S. city that's was in the news after the riots mm-hmm. in L.A. and it has a it's a very interesting history. And so they're really revitalizing Watts and all the that awesome things they're doing. Such a cool project to work on. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, there's like so much to do here. It felt good. I'm not moving to L.A. people, but it was really nice to. God, don't you go. dare! You were gone for like five days. I was like, when is she coming back? <laughs> I know. I felt like I was in a different country. It did feel like a different country, but it was a great trip. Um, you know, on an unrelated note, while I was there, the wildfires started start. Oh, right. 
started and there's a shooting in Thousand Oaks. I, you know what? I saw that and I immediately thought of you. Yeah. And there were youth delegates from Thousand Oaks at the conference. That's and crazy. so there was a lot of talk during the opening sessions about how this was, how the community was doing. Um, but yeah, the wildfires are very, it's catastrophic what's happening there. And it's climate change. It's it's really, really, you know, we are in an emergency and it's all traveled all the way. The smoke has traveled all the way to San Francisco. Oh, that we were talking about that last night. Yeah. Okay. My friends are sending me pictures of themselves in masks and they're like, wow, I don't, mm. I mean, my friend Kyla, one of my best friends, she was like, I'm not going out. Like I'm, the air quality is so poor. So anyway, that's depressing way to end my conference notes but it was it was great i learned a lot um i may go back in the future if i have the opportunity oh good all right well what happened here (laughs) so many things (laughs) so many things um i think the last time we met i was about to have my second arts task force which actually was incredibly uh instructive and really it was amazing so one of the things that all the arts task force members wanted to do was talk about diversity and equity and inclusion as it related to the arts and that it was such an important topic that we couldn't, I thought we could just kind of, inter- you know, make sure that we wove it in through the nine months of working to the, together. But it turns out people really wanted to have a shared common language and really make sure that everybody was on the same page before we started talking about really difficult things like funding and artists live workspaces and licensing and permitting so you know there's there's inequity in all of our structures and all of our systems and I think people really wanted to talk about that so we got an an amazing facilitator uh, Malia Lazu from the Urban Labs um, and she started off the training uh, this two-hour training with the task force with this example of the elephant and the giraffes which I don't know if you've ever heard but it's um, it's an old tale an African tale of two friends one is an elephant and one is a giraffe and they've been friends forever and they go to the watering hole together and the giraffe says come to my house we're friends I want to have you over Um, I really want you to see where I live so the giraffe goes home and gets his house ready and puts out peanuts and all these things that he thinks that the elephant would like and the elephant gets there and can't fit through the door right? Because it's long and skinny and made for the giraffe. So he gets in and he starts breaking everything. And the giraffe is like, you have to leave. Like you can't, you're breaking all of my things. And the story is really about structural systems that exist. Um, and if you don't do anything about them, the, the elephants are never going to feel like they belong. And so there was a big, um, there was a lot of talking about belonging. Um, one of the things I had read was this article about, and I feel like people don't often think about equity and inclusion as it relates to art, right? Yeah. Um, But there was a New York Times article that I think will be really helpful that, you know, we all talked about that day, which was, if you think about ballet, what color are ballet shoes? Pink. They're pink. And why? Women. No. Gender? Because they match a skin tone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're good at this. All right. You can't be on the arts task force. Anyway. Clearly. They match the skin tone. Yeah. And so for ballet dancers of color, what do they do? Right. They dye their shoes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you're a ballet dancer, you ha- you wear a pair of shoes every single time you do a performance. So there are ballet dancers that are just coloring their shoes every single time. And two weeks ago, one of the biggest shoe, shoe manufacturers announced that they were going to be making three different skin colors, mm-hmm. right? So one for... Um, 
women who are Latina and one for um, African-Americans. So women are no longer going to have to be coloring their shoes to match their skin tone. But essentially, that whole story was just saying shoes that exist are saying to women of color who are ballet dancers, you don't belong here. The stage isn't for you. You have to actually change yourself. You're now like the elephant in the story. You you have to change yourself in order to fit into the giraffe's house. So it was, I feel like there was a lot of aha moments for a lot of people. And now we have a shared language and understanding of where issues of inclusion will come into play when we get into, you know, really talking uh, about some serious issues around arts. Um, so we've got our next uh, arts task force meeting in December. It's December 13th from 5:30 to 7:30. It's at the MIT Theater Arts Building on 385 Vassar Street, and the topic is funding. It's open to the public. Everyone is welcome to come. Um, we do publish our notes online, and um, it's on the the Cambridge Mayor's website page. So check it out. You can see all of the notes from the past meeting um, and all the ones in the future. I, I last night the the notes were in the binder, so I have all the pile to read because I missed the arts task force meeting. So I'm going to go back and read so all about it. So over the next four days, you're going to make it part of your I will. It's, the article, the article, it's the the pictures, everything. I mean, the definitions, what is white privilege? What yeah. is this? I think it's, you know, I'm we're doing these community conversations mm-hmm. on November 28th. So I think, you know, this relates to art, It, but it's art is life. Mm-hmm. Deep. So, <laughs> deep. so deep. But, you know, so I, I'm really glad that the task force is looking at that lens and you've had this session early on and you had an expert. Yeah. That part was really important. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm certainly not an expert. And she was very good about guiding the conversation in a way that was very constructive, but also really uh, we, we followed up afterwards and talked about ways that we can incorporate some of the kind of the rules that she laid out in the beginning of the meeting to move forward as, as we work. Yeah. That's awesome. So Next up, we have a lightning round of issues that we want to tell you about uh, from our city council meetings on 11-5 and 11-19. That was last night. Yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Wow. Time flies. So, Alana, you'll start and then I'll finish. Yeah. So we had a few things um, and we're just going to do some of the high level ones because um, I'm really excited about this one in particular. Um, the city has appropriated $500,000 um, to fund a universal design playground at Danny He Park. So this is something that um, I think Cambridge has really needed for a long time, which um, one of the things we talked about that that night was um, Spalding Rehab Center has a universal design playground and it's amazing. So all kids of all ages and um, abilities can use it. If you are in a wheelchair, um, they have specific, uh, you know, playstations for people. It's just going to be great. And I think it's one of the things where you're like, how did Cambridge not have one of these? Right. So that's going to be at Danny Hugh Park. Um, and they're getting busy on the design of that. Um, the, one of the other things we wanted to talk about was we just approved $92,000 to outfit a police reporting station in Central Square, which is now scheduled to open. It actually has a date, uh, December 11th. So it's just around the corner. So this $92,000 is because the um, reporting station had to comply with state and FBI criminal justice information security systems like ballistics level glass. So bulletproof glass for all of those of you who don't aren't in the <laughs> Didn't <know>. get it. <laughs> um, and then we also approved a two $200,000 to do a technical studies on bike infrastructure. So there was a lot of discussion about this at the city council, but essentially 
there was a Cambridge bicycle plan created um, through a bicycle network vision, which was an aspirational plan for creating a high-quality bicycle infrastructure network on streets and paths in the city. But the plan didn't include technical studies to evaluate space and operational constraints. Um, so it's there was a lot of conversation around what does aspirational mean, and I this study hopefully will say, okay, on this street, this is what you need. Here is how wide it is. You can put protected bike lanes here. On this street, you're going to have to do paint with a door zone. Um, I think that that will be very helpful. There has been a lot of conversation between the Cambridge Bicycle Network and CDD and the city manager around things are in the plan, but now they're not being executed. And it's because because it didn't, there was actually never a measurement done. So this $200,000 is to kind of close that gap and make sure that we're all speaking the same language and and understanding that... um, we do need to figure out this bike infrastructure. We've had way too many deaths on our on our streets, even, especially recently. And um, we've got to move forward with this. And so if we have, if we're putting this through, we are really going to be studying it and making sure that we are going to be executing the right plan. Yeah. I mean, one of my pet peeves, we've talked about this in council, the city has so many plans. Mm. Right. They have so much online and it's like, wait, you never followed this or, you know, you know, so we have to be really conscious, be aware of what we put out there. Right. And and follow through. And then if we don't follow through, say why. Right. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of people that didn't realize that that was an aspirational. Right. Right. Like they thought it was a plan that was going to be followed through on. So this is sort of to remedy that situation. And it is something that I think you and I have talked about, like being Uh, on top of. Yeah. So. The other thing uh, we did was we approved 150000 for a digital equity advisory board to be set up with a year-long time frame to study and analyze gaps affecting the city's low-income or otherwise disadvantaged population in use of the broad- of broadband internet, which builds on the work of the broadband task force and the recommendations from a few years ago. The city's research will seek to better understand the gaps, including those related to broadband access, affordability, digital skills, and device ownership that may be preventing all residents from making the most effective, meaningful use of broadband. Uh, This will formally disband the broadband task force. So I think I'm happy that this is happening. I think, though, that I think this was brought up in the meeting, you know, we need to figure out how much it's going to cost. And we have a, I think there, we have to also make sure that we're on the same table. I think we have to figure out what the problem we want to solve is because we do know that there's a digital divide, mm-hmm. um, but we also know it's very expensive. So we have to figure out how we're going to get there. Well, especially since CRLS, all students now exactly. have a Google Chromebook. Um, but if you don't have Wi-Fi at home, they're essentially useless, right? right? Because everything on there is through your Google Docs. Um, and if you can't get if you don't have access to Wi-Fi at home, then you can't use it for homework. Uh, so we really do need to understand. If we're trying to close the digital divide with providing these Chromebooks, it's the first step, but then we have to figure out that Wi-Fi piece. Yeah, and we, we keep, I think, the the task force said we should have a feasibility study of mm-hmm. how much is this going to cost? Because I don't know. It could be very, What is, how much does municipal broadband cost in others? I don't know. I think we have to do that analysis. So I think that's coming up, but um, I look forward to the results here. The other thing that came up, and we talked a lot about this during that meeting. Oh, my God. We really did. We did. The community benefits. So 
since 2010, over 20 million has been pledged to the city to go into community, a community benefits fund. And these funds will be used to address the top tier needs that were identified by the citywide uh, needs assessment that was completed in 2017. Those needs are affordable housing and homelessness, financial security and mental health, both behavioral health and substance abuse. We had a lot of questions about the timeline with grants of $5 million not being given out until February 2020 uh, and the following funding grant timeline being in 2014. So both of us brought this up about the process yeah. and the fact that the the needs are very high. Right. And so the Community Benefits Fund essentially was created because developers were wanted a place where they could put a bunch of money um, so that they could be dispersed into the community. What used to happen was you would you would build a building and then you would like kind of draw a line around the building and say, okay, here are all the here are all the nonprofits that exist in this area. And then you would just make sure that the community benefits were reaching those particular places. Well, it you know, that's very difficult to do. And then there's always one person that's like sort of right outside. So the developers were like, why don't we just give X, you know, like a pot of money um, as community benefits, and the city can figure out how best to distribute them based on the community needs assessment that was done and, and decided these top tier needs. Um, you know, there's the top tier needs, there's the middle tier needs, and the lower tier needs. So $20 million has been sitting there. pledged. <laughs> pledged. I mean, some of it's sitting there, but some of it is still kind of out there um, since 2010. Yeah. And m- my point and your point in the meeting was these are (laughs) we have identified these as like critical needs in the community right substance abuse just for example we're in the middle of an opioid crisis we have millions of dollars that are just sitting there not actually helping the problem um and not only that you know we got the timeline and it's not even going to be dispersed until not even next february um so i yeah i had a lot of it felt like very onerous on on the process and like grants and how people would apply and they're going to be giving um a huge preference to um grantees that are going to be addressing all three of these needs right so it's like a collective some innovative yeah um and innovative plan correct and so i just i i you know as somebody who works in a nonprofit and understands how you're just trying to do critical work in the in the community. I understand a process, but this to me feels like we I'm not sure this is what this money really was intended to do was to sit there and then be granted out, out over decades. Yeah, we have about I think 7 million sitting there mm-hmm. and then I mean that's the problem we we do have these developers and other folk give, wanting to give money and then we take forever. Uh, so I think the city, you know, not I don't want to discredit the amazing right. work the city's been doing and the the community benefits advisory committee that they've they've thought through this plan. They we also voted on an evaluation mm-hmm. that we'll be doing uh, of the work. So they're going to independently evaluate whether the process they've come up with it's is the right one. The right one. So. That'll be good. Uh, uh, you know, I think it's good that we're reevaluating that because I do think it, it may come up with, hey, this took too long, which yeah. I think, which is the consensus of the council. And I'm really curious to see um, who's going to come forward. Right. And on how collaborative and collective impact, how, how difficult that's going to be. Right, right. So stay tuned. Uh, hopefully 
in, by February we have some some more information on and it. some grants that will be being evaluated. So so that's our update. Uh, we have there's all a lot of other things going on. Uh, we should share. The one of the ones from last night, the busking street busking fee. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, which we both <laughs> that was just yesterday talked about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you want to give the news because you're the arts. You know, oh, counselor. sure. So yeah. yeah, we had um, the busking ordinance, which um, came before us this summer, and one of the things that we all very strongly suggested was having the busking fee go from forty dollars uh, per year to zero. So having a permit. Um, having still, you have to apply for a permit, but it would be free. This would just be to ensure that our musicians, um, they would have a permit, but they would be able to just remove one of the barriers to actually performing and, and being out there. I mean, I love I love a good like musician busking. I mean, it just enlivens the square. It enlivens the shopping district. And, you know, one of the things I said last night was we, through this arts task force work, you know, one of the artist said one of the meetings it is demoralizing to be an artist here in Cambridge and that's not what we want and we can't always control for what things cost right like we can't control skyrocketing rent we can't control how much studio space costs but where we can control that cost as a city to support our artists and say we care about you we want you to be here we want you to be a thriving community we should do that and if it's taking away a $40 fee so that somebody can be outside and, and playing music, we should do that because we can't control for these other costs. So um, the zoning came back before us last night, and they had the Cambridge Arts Council had suggested a 50% reduction in the, the busking fee, so the permit. So it was going to go from $40 to $20, and um, we as a council – we said nope. We said n- no. <laughs> um. It was great. I mean, all of us, we, I think, collectively, I, I harped on the fact that there was a replacement fee and I was for $15 and you have a $20 fee and you're charging. So, and then you pushed, you you brought it home saying no fee. No, no fee. fee. No, no fee. fee. So we amended it. Yeah. Um, it will um, come before us in December for approval as a no fee for busking. Um, and I think that that's just going to, it's going to be one small step to really telling our artists here, I know it's demoralizing. We are trying to make it better. And there's a process still mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah. to just make the Arts Council feel good, the city feel good. It's not like we're really new. We don't know who's who's out there. Who's out there. Right. So there'll be permits. So that was great. So some more updates. I attended a government operations rules and claims committee hearing. I'm a member. Um, I'm a member of like how many committees, Alana? Like all of, them. all of them, I'm also on this one, but I, I missed this one. It was my first committee meeting that I've missed. I know. I didn't know you were on this one. Mm-hmm. My bad. Okay, I missed. It. I didn't even text you during it. Um, chaired by <laughs> Vice Mayor Devereaux on publicly financed municipal elections. So this is a complex issue that's been discussed for the last five years. No easy resolution, it seems. So Vice Mayor did this whole history of all the policy orders that have been. I love her. Yeah, she's so prepared. So of, prepared of all the policy orders that have been submitted and what their options have, what their outcomes have been. Uh, the the end result of the meeting was that the committee asked, voted to ask the city manager to convene a time limited task force to analyze the best options. <laughs> I know you're thinking another task force. I am thinking another so task force. I think the vice mayor made a good point. It's that really we each of us could want different things in this and it's good if 
someone independently looks at it and okay maybe it's folks from the community maybe so that's tbd but we should not be the ones saying how all right because the program we're, should the, work. we're the city council all right uh-huh. right so it's that so that's a good point and then some of the larger broader questions is you know are we as a community unhappy with the types of candidates running or with the types of donors what what's the problem will problem we're, we're trying to solve uh i think they're is a lot of money spent on elections. Uh, the stats from 2017 show how much money was spent. And it is true that outspending doesn't seem to correlate with winning. In fact, I spent the least money per vote of the people who won. I spent $14. Well, you got a lot of votes. And I got a lot of votes. So, it, <laughs> But I was so efficient. You know, that's all I'm trying to say. But <laughs> No, right. And I think, you know, that was one of the things that I was thinking about when I was kind of mulling this over in my head is there was a couple of candidates who were like brand new um two that came from public housing right that raised a ton of money right like i think the money is there if you're a good candidate and i love this idea of publicly funded can like publicly funded campaigns the public funds our campaigns yeah um through believing a can believing in a candidate and and financially supporting them uh they are the public Exactly. So I, Tim Toomey does have does have a proposal before us. And I think we just it was too early to decide this is the program that could work, you know, the numbers and so forth. I think it was giving money to candidates. Yeah. Taxpayer yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. How much? So I think the he had different levels. So uh-huh. a school committee was like, I think, 15 grand. Um, another was 20 grand. There were it was basically we couldn't. I didn't think I didn't feel comfortable making those decisions and and well, I voting like, for I would like the taxpayers to actually weigh it, in on whether or not they would like their taxpayer money to be funding elections. Exactly. So I think that goes back to the idea of all right, like what is the appetite here? Correct. Uh, and so you know, someone at public Not that comment, I want to raise any money. <laughs> you know, I, don't I do not do want to either. Do <laughs> Give me money, please. Uh, so someone made the uh, time, uh, su- uh, suggestion of even limiting the time you can campa- camp- you can campaign. So you can't start in like February? You, you Yeah, you start like, you know, two months before. <laughs> How nice would that be? Oh my God. I don't want to start campaigning again. Ever. Ever. <sighs> That's PTSD. We're both looking at each other like just total miserable. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that was my meeting last week. All right. Well, speaking of campaigns and voting, we also might have the opportunity to early vote in the next municipal election. So this was sent off to the legislature as a home rule petition. And I wonder how it will affect turnout. Yeah, we'll see. And the November 6th, uh, the election showed us that the turnout was higher than ever. Higher than ever. I know. So, People were very motivated, especially in Cambridge. I think they were very motivated by the yes on three. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I'm so glad that that passed. 68%. So amazing. I know. I was like, that was a nail biter. I thought it was going to be so much closer. So good job, everyone. Yeah, good job. We also last week attended an ordinance committee meeting on zoning for recreational cannabis. Oh, I forgot about that. I know. So many meetings last <laughs> week. Uh, we vo- voted to move the petition to the council as a whole. Uh, the Ordinance Committee and the Economic Development Committee, which I chair, have discussed the importance of equity in the cannabis industry as we zone uh, for adult recreational use. Uh, as you may know, we already have medical cannabis in our city uh, since 2013. So this opportunity to build a robust and lucrative industry necessitates 
that necessitates <laughs> that this city be diligent and intentional in its efforts to put in places in place effective and equitable policies and zoning. I, along with other city councilors, are pushing for a separate municipal equity ordinance where we prioritize economic empowerment applicants in the city, given that the larger companies already have a monopoly. Yeah, and we had a couple of speakers at public comment uh, who spoke eloquently of the need to prioritize this aspect of the zoning or through a municipal um, ordinance to ensure equity in this area. And I reiterated that when the commissioner of the Cannabis Control Commission, Shailene Title, came to our last economic development meeting, she stated that of the provisional uh, 30 provisional licenses that were awarded in Massachusetts, there was not one person of color, not one veteran, and not one women-owned business that had a license. And I think the only way that we can really level the playing field is through this municipal equity ordinance. This is really this is so important, and I feel like you have been the leading the charge on making sure that this stays at everybody's forefront and that everybody knows how important this is. So thank you for keeping it there. Um, I was disappointed it wasn't part of the package that we saw <laughs> last week yeah. at, at zoning. I mean, I think, you know, Somerville is, is, is doing some interesting things around um, economic empowerment and and granting licenses every other one yep um is going to be to an economic empowerment applicant and um you know if we're not intentional about this the opportunity is really gonna it's gonna slip away yeah and we know it's it's coming Mm -hmm. so i think some people have been like oh my god please stop the sales there's been some interesting emails but overall you know we we, it's happening so Mm -hmm. since it's happening we have to figure out how we uh benefit the people, the businesses, the small, the small uh, owners, and one of the folks who came to public comment, you know, he grew up in Cambridge, he lives in Boston now, you know, mm-hmm. he he's he's a he's a partner, he's a business owner, and those are the people, I, you know, I want our zoning to, to help, and so we, so when I say zoning, I I miss, I shouldn't say zoning in particular, would want this municipal equity ordinance to to consider, yeah, and. I wasn't at this meeting, but we were talking about it. This is sort of it, the only way to create generational wealth right. for people who have been disproportionately affected by the the war on drugs, and uh, it's it's critical. I think we all said it. I mean, I but I, I will have to say that I because you have been pushing it so hard and making sure that we all really understand what's at stake. I think that's the reason we were all kind of exactly, and I think we needed to have that meeting and just have everyone yeah, say, say this is why it's important. And we did get everyone yeah. who who could come to the meeting saying uh, it was important. So excited about that! Details to come. Hopefully, we'll have some uh, language to look at soon. Over the and you, one of the things we didn't talk about at all is the taxes, the oh, additional yeah. taxes, and like what that will bring in for our city and the things that we can do with it. So I think that's another conversation. We don't do a great job telling the whole story in the narrative, yeah, in the city. So like marijuana is coming, yes, but here are the things that it's going to bring: some equity to some just you know disproportionately affected folks. But also tax money. And what are we going to do with that tax money? Yeah, we all have a lot of decisions to make. And mm-hmm. the sales just started. Recreational use just started, I think, yesterday. It's like and a billion-dollar industry. Lines out the door. Yeah. It's, you're going to run out of product real soon. So we'll be working on the zoning. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry, people. <laughs> we caught <laughs> you. On it. caught you. So 
over the weekend, I on Sunday, I attended a ghost bike ceremony for Meng Jin, a Boston University graduate student who died after an accidental collision between his bicycle and a dump truck in front of the Museum of Science parking garage. This came up during our meeting last night as well. We have a real lack of bike infrastructure on Route 28, uh, which is O'Brien Highway, especially along the six-lane stretch highway in front of the Museum of Science, which is known as the Charles River Dam Road, uh, which is controlled by the State's Department of Conservation and Recreation, Recreation DCR, uh, as the Commonwealth owns the dam upon which the Museum of Science sets. We have to do more, uh, and I'm looking forward to supporting all the efforts for Safer Streets. We had an order from Tim Toomey, Councillor Toomey, last night. Uh, we've had Vice Mayor Devereaux write an op-ed mm-hmm. uh, with... Uh, Michelle few, Wu. Yeah, Michelle from Wu and Becca. Boston. Oh, yeah, Becca the, Wolfson. Yeah, Wolfson from the Bicyclists Union. So th- there's a lot of momentum here. We should not be waiting for this to happen, to act. Well, and the thing that I liked about Councillor Toomey's order last night was it's so easy to um, just point fingers. Oh, it, it, part of it was in Cambridge. Some of it was in Boston. It's DCR. It's just very easy to do some finger pointing and say it's not our thing. Um, but this order really kind of says everyone needs to get together and figure out the configuration on this road so that this, this doesn't happen again. And I'm really with the op-ed that the vice mayor wrote with Michelle Wu of the Boston City Council and Becca Wolfson. I, I'm really loving the regional apo- approach that people are taking um, because these issues are regional and right. and we share a lot of streets, we share a lot of intersections, and this is where we can be really strong. If we want to, you know, the, obviously the DA has not released information about the accident, but it's being reported that it was because the dump truck did not have a side guard in between the front wheels and the back wheels that would have kind of bounced him back off and not caught underneath um, the wheels. And one of the things that it reminded me of was that, you know, in um, 2014, when I was working in the mayor's office, I was actually walking to work one day on the corner of Harvard and Inman and happened upon a um, a bike accident right after it happened between a recycling truck and, and um, unfortunately, a biker. When I got to the scene, there was the bike was underneath the front wheels, and all I could see of the bike was the baby seat on the back. They had already, you know, taken the cyclist off to the hospital. He lived. He was. Um, he had a lot of injuries, but I tweeted a picture, um, and just I think I just said enough. By the time I walked from Harvard Street to into City Hall, the phone was ringing, um, and this Dr. Epstein from the Volpe Transportation Center was on the phone saying, "This is." We need side guards on our trucks. This is what I do here in Cambridge. I'm working with places all over the country, putting in this kind of legislation and making sure trucks are safer for cyclists, but we're not working with Cambridge. So within a week, we had everybody sitting around the table, um, figuring out how we could deploy bike or side guards on all of our DPW trucks, which happened. And so one of the things I said last night was, we are so lucky to live in a city like Cambridge where some of the brightest minds in the country are working on these complex problems. Sometimes they're not working in their backyard. So we have we have the people here, that we have the resources here. We do need to require at the state level that all trucks have side guards. It's not enough to just say that our municipal trucks have them, but everyone else doesn't, and then just be like, oh, that was a that was a dump truck. You know, it didn't have the side guards. We don't have any purview over that. That's why I think we need to work regionally. We need to demand from the state 
these better regulations that will protect our cyclists. I said this last night. That is a horrific way to die. Any of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I. And senseless. It's useless. Senseless, yeah. I saw his parents were there from it's China. Awful. And it, it just, it's just no, it's awful. No parent. And he's, right? Like he's, he's 20, in his 20s. 24 year old. So we've, year old. we've had two 20, very young 20 somethings die on our streets in the last month. They're babies. Yeah. That's so young. And we have a responsibility. So hopefully we'll have some updates on that soon and what the, what the legislator nature will be doing and what we can be doing locally to, to push this forward. Yeah. With Boston, with Somerville, with the state, Malden, Everett, everyone, everyone, everyone. All right. We are wrapping this long podcast up. Uh, I have one event that I'm going to plug. Uh, I've never heard of this event. You've never heard of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Mayor Mark McGovern and I, we are, as we announced, we have a partnership with Dr. Denisa Mate, CEO and co-founder of the Disruptive Equity Education Project, uh, who's she's designing and planning and facilitating Cambridge Digs Deep, our citywide community conversation series on race, equity, power, and privilege. The first community forum is Wednesday, November 28th from 5.30 to 8. Which, by the way, is next Wednesday. Next. Oh, my God. It's A next week Wednesday. from tomorrow. Yeah. So this is my final opportunity to tell you about it. Most likely. I'm going to miss this update. <laughs> <laughs> do you miss Unveiled? Because I do. <laughs> uh, this is going to be at the... F- at the do you miss my ankle um at the fletcher maynard gymnasium so please come it'd be great to see all of our five listeners no there's probably 12 it's probably 12 maybe 20 maybe 20 i think i get 20 this is like our 35th episode oh my god happy anniversary happy anniversary (laughs) so we also have one more show update we should have started with this but uh i binged a new show over my time in la in the last week haunting the Hunting on Hill House. Everyone tells me I need to watch it. Is it too scary? So I will tell you something. I did not watch it like by myself. Oh. And I did not watch it. And when I was by myself, I watched it during the day. Oh, okay. It's it, like scary. It's jumpy. It's oh, jumpy. okay. It, the acting is meh. Okay. Okay. Anyone in it that I know? No, they're all like okay. people we don't know. Um, but attractive for sure. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so why? <laughs> that's clearly <laughs> that's why I watch a show. <laughs> There's some, there's a, there's some love in it, but not really. So honestly, I'm surprised that I got into it and I liked know. it. I, I think I'm it's changing. It's not about friendship or love. It's not about friendship or love. It's kind of what the if opposite. I started liking all the shows about friendship and love, and you're like vampires and serial killers? I, yeah, I think that'd be a sad day. But I would recommend you watch it. I think okay. it is a great story. It's about a family, and it's a haunted house. So that's all. I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, so I, I'm going to give you one since you're done with your yes. binge. I watch Homecoming. Never heard of it. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it was a podcast, but now Julia oh, Roberts. Oh, Julia. Oh, I saw the preview. Oh, it's so good. And it's just half hour episodes and it's so crazy. Already f- going to finish it <laughs> before Thanksgiving. It's so crazy. <laughs> I think it's only like, I think it was like six or eight half hour episodes. Really quick. That's nothing. I know. So fast. And you just like want to watch them. Back to back to back to back. I'll do that tonight. <laughs> okay. The other thing that I love talking about and we love talking about is cookies. So can yeah. I just shout out? I just went to the new Elmendorf Baking Company on um, Cambridge Street in East Cambridge. Best cookie ever. You you bought a cookie? I bought a cookie. They have cookies. They It's like a bakery 
coffee shop. Oh my god! They have delicious looking baked goods. They had all kinds of stuff um, and yummy coffee. But they also have that's like a baking supply company. Oh, I'm so going. It's so cute. I know one of the owners. Oh, is it um, Teddy? Teddy. Teddy. He was there. Yes, was he there? He Teddy Applebaum. Yes. So Teddy and his wife Alyssa own the place, and they opened just a few weeks ago. I'm so happy for Teddy. I went to high school. He was. You should a year. stop by. I will stop by. You should stop by because they're really excited. I will stop by tomorrow and get some cookies. And I will get some cookies to eat while I watch Homecoming. <laughs> you should totally do that. But they also had like sticky buns. It oh was my like gosh. all. I'm of so my happy for him things. and his wife. They're so nice. They're really nice. I've known Teddy since I was in ninth grade. So oh my gosh, you the tenth grader. Well, everyone should go. Elmendorf Baking Company, East Cambridge. Where the pets, pe- Where Petsy the pets pies, pies used, to be. used to be. There's Petsy pies is still alive and well, just yep. not at that location. Yeah, it's the perfect location. Um, I will tell you that I'm glad that it's not closer to City Hall because yeah. I, I would just eat a lot of those cookies. Okay, I'm gonna have to go because I I thought your cookies were the best that I've had. My cookies are like the the best like homemade yeah. version, right? Like they're pretty good, but this well, is like bakery version. will you make me some <laughs> sure <laughs> sure absolutely <laughs> i have so much free time <laughs> you know what i'll do it after cambridge digs deep on wednesday november 28th <laughs> thank you thank you I all right everybody it. so we'll be back next week because we cannot ever go this long in between because i've totally forgot how to i don't even talk know in a microphone. what my name is i couldn't even read read necessitate, <laughs> necessitate. you're like <laughs> We'll we'll have better English speaking. We're gonna get it together. Please, thank you for staying with us. Um, and have a have no a very... one's listening. Oh, <laughs> Just we kidding. can say whatever we want. <laughs> no. Well, we'll see you next week, hopefully. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> bye bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>